You are listening to the Corona Diaries, brought to you by Allegra. For more information, please visit allegralaboratory.net. Hi guys, this is Aditya from Bangalore, recording episode 2 of the Corona Diaries. So this is my 12th attempt at recording this today. It's in one of those days where the entire day has just been one long meeting with, um, you know, a few breaks in between to eat. And it's just been relentless, phone call after phone call after phone call. And it's been a struggle to function today. But it's nice to finally sit down and gather my thoughts and listen to the rain outside. The rain is a welcome relief because the Indian summer is just so intense. Normally when you're working in an air-conditioned bubble in the office, you don't really get to experience the world outside. But now that I am working from home, I'm constantly fighting the urge to fall asleep under a fan. But I can't do that because um, now that I am working from home, my workload has just increased. So I'm working a lot more now than I was in the office, which doesn't make any sense. But here we are. And uh, I made it through today. And going forward, I anticipate just the lockdown to last a little bit longer than April 15th. So April 15th is the official deadline for the lockdown to end. But uh, I expect it to carry on further than that because there have been a few developments since the last time I recorded. So a couple of days before the official lockdown started, there was this big religious gathering in Delhi called the Tablighi Jamaat, where thousands of Muslims from all around the world congregated. And uh, once they were done, they went back to their homes and they used public transport, they used buses, they used trains, they used aircraft potentially coming into contact with hundreds of people. And those who couldn't make it out of Delhi before the lockdown stayed together in confined spaces, in small spaces. And now many of those people are testing positive for COVID-19. So I'm, I shudder to think the scale of you know, the epidemic spreading just the number of people that those people could have come in contact with. I can't even wrap my head around that. And it scares me. And uh, this gathering could not have happened at a worse time. Because obviously, number one, because of the epidemic. But number two, because, you know, the last few years have not been the best times in the country in terms of polarization. And now this incident just provides more fodder to people. And, uh, you know, media houses have bounced on it and people have been terming it as Corona Jihad. So people have used this opportunity to bring out the worst sides in themselves. And even people, and it's sad, even people that I grew up with, I went to school with, the stuff they post on social media, it's it's scary. And um, I don't know what to do about it, to be honest with you. Um, I've tried talking to them but many of them are beyond reason. So I have been doing what I can do, which is at least try to contribute in mitigating the effects of this epidemic. So I've been volunteering with an agency. Well, it's an NGO for the past week. 
and uh, I've been part of the, their efforts to coordinate um, relief material. So I've been calling people around the city, people in need, and finding out what they need and making sure that these things get to them. Uh, even though I can't leave my house, I have access to technology, which helps a little bit in this situation. So I've been calling people and uh, I've been asking them what their needs are and I want to share some of the stories of the people that I've spoken with. So one lady that I spoke to told me that uh, she, her daughter takes medication which um, she usually gets at subsidized prices using a medical card at a government hospital. But since the lockdown she hasn't been able to do that. So for almost the past three weeks she has not had access to her medicines. She can go buy it at a local pharmacy but the prices are so much more hiked up there. And she's actually afraid to go outside the house because when the lockdown started there were a lot of visuals um, that came out on social media that showed you know, police beating people who were violating the lockdown. So she's afraid to go out and ask the police if she can go and um, you know, get these medicines. She has a card but she's scared to go out and use it. And then I spoke to another woman who her husband has had a stroke, so she is now the sole breadwinner of the family. And uh, she runs a little shop where she knits and she makes pillow covers and cushions. But since the lockdown, her shop has been shut, which has cut down her only source of um, income. But by far, the most sort of eye-opening conversation I had was with the lady I spoke to her yesterday. And uh, I, you know, the usual, I asked her what she needed and, you know, she gave me a list of things that she wanted. And then she asked me something that no one has ever asked me before. She asked me what my caste was. And I was so taken aback because in all my 27 years, nobody has ever asked me that question. So I think, you know, caste is such a complex issue that I can't really unpack it for you guys I can't even unpack it for myself yet. I'm still struggling to understand the scale um, and depths of the system. But uh, so, in from what I've my understanding of it from my own life is that the the further up you move along the social ladder, the more subtle the caste system becomes. So, people who live in the cities, or at least people who live in sort of upper-middle-class households, upper-middle-class neighborhoods, and people who live in these circles don't talk about caste the same way that people in low-income households talk about it, or people in rural India talk about it. So I've had many conversations with people in my own peer group who say things like, oh, caste system is gone, you know, or affirmative action is bad, or, you know, they have these viewpoints because as far as they're concerned, caste system does not exist anymore. But this is obviously not the case. And I've always maintained that, you know, caste has been around for a long time and will, will be around for a long time. It will be reality for many people. But this was the first time that I had to confront it in this visceral way. And I didn't really know what to say. So I ended up telling her my, my caste, you know. But um, I, was, I thought to myself, like, what if I had told her that I belonged to a so-called lower caste? 
which he have refused the food. So would a person in need, you know, would they place their caste pride above their immediate need? So these are some of the questions that I had. But in that moment in time, I just wanted to help this lady. So we carried on with our conversation and uh, I managed to get her the things she needed. And again, at this point, technology really helped me because um, she was not really educated. She didn't know um, many details about where she lived. So she sent me her location on WhatsApp, which I then forwarded to the delivery guy. And then through a series of phone conversations and coordination, we made sure that the food was delivered. So through this interaction, I solved her problem, but I also got to learn something new, you know. I mean, I wasn't ignorant about it, but I never really had to face it till now. And now that I have faced it, I'm going to think about it a lot more. And maybe by the time I do the next recording, I'll have some more insights for you. But till then, good night.